Colossians 3, Paul has been writing to Christians. He's not trying to convince them of anything. He's not trying to um, tell them about anything. He's trying to tell them about stuff they might not know. But he's not trying to convince them, like to bring them over to think a new thing. They're already, they're already on board. And so this opening of Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That if that's on there is that funny Greek thing where it's not, um, don't read this backwards and say, okay, if I don't seek the things that are above, then I must not have been raised with Christ because I was really into the Indy 500 yesterday. And so for those two hours, was I not a Christian because I was setting my mind on the Indy 500? No, it's not. Don't, don't do bad math on this. He's just saying, all right, guys, you're all Christians. Here's the deal. Here's what that state is like. You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you've been hidden in Christ. You have, you have already died. Okay, how does that make any sense? So here's, here's the trick question. Um, when did you commit your first sin? Let's just think back on that for a minute. I, um, I quizzed the kids on this this week, the older ones, and... Um, and it's awesome. When did you commit your first sin? When you ate the apple. What? In Adam, we all sinned. The whole of humanity fell when Adam sinned. So just like we were in Adam, and you might say, I wasn't there. I didn't have any say in that. I wouldn't have done that. I would have been good and I wouldn't have eaten that apple I would have obeyed God okay good job the rest of us aren't that holy okay Um, we all sinned in Adam and so in the same way when Christ came and he died on the cross for our sins we all died in Christ and so then when Christ was risen from the dead all who are in Christ were risen from the dead, and now we live a new life. You know, Adam and Eve, when they fell, um, they said, the day that you eat of this apple, you're going to die. So then you go back to Genesis, and you read it, and they ate the apple, and then they hid with fig leaves, and then they hid in the trees, and then God, you know, has this conversation with them, and he curses them, and he curses the serpent, you know, the devil, and then he he kills some sheep and gives them clothes and they get put out and then they have kids and their kids have kids and they re- oh, no, but I thought they were going to die. So is God wrong? Like the third chapter of Genesis and God is already wrong? No, they spiritually died that day. That spiritual ability to communicate with God and to walk with God and the cool part of the day and to be with God and to know God and be fully known by God stopped. 
that died. So, if then you've been raised with Christ, you've been raised from the dead with Christ spiritually, you've been re-engaged with God. Now spiritually you can communicate with God again. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. It's so awesome how God knows so much of our seeking. No, no, no. So much of our identity of who we are is set up in what we're seeking after. Isn't it? I mean, you ask a guy, so what do you do? Give me your identity. And he says, oh, you know, I'm a marketing and advertising, web advertising guy for a lawyer. That's what I do. I'm kind of defining myself by what I'm seeking. Right? You ask any kid age 17 to 19 in the month of May, how is it going? Well, I'm graduating from this. I'm going to go to this college. I want to be this when I grow up. You know, that's what, even if they don't say that, that's all we ask them. What are you doing this summer, right? You probably ask every school kid, what are you doing this summer? And they answer by what their goal is, what they're seeking, what they're going after. So all of that to say, seek the things that are above. He says that because we, he knows we define ourselves so much by what we're going after and what we're trying to get, what we're saving up for, what we're, what we're aligning our week. Even this week, there's things that we want and we're scheduling our week so that we get those things, right? Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's just a crazy thing to think about. Your life, it doesn't say when Jesus returns and everybody gets raptured and all evil is stomped out and the new Jerusalem comes, then your life will be hidden with Christ in God. He doesn't say that. He's talking present tense. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Right now. If I could see you right now, the way that I'm going to see you in heaven, I would mistake you for Jesus. I'd be like, Jesus, is that that you? You look like Mike Miller. Is that you, Jesus? You are in Christ. You are in Him. So if I can see you now, the way I would see, will see you then, that's what you would look like. It's not that you would look like Jesus. You'd look like you. But you'd look like Jesus because you're in Christ. Wow. So how does that, you know, I don't get my way. The thing didn't get done that I wanted done. I didn't get this thing to happen the way I wanted it to happen. And as soon as I get mad at it, as soon as I tear down my wife or kick the cat, what do I have my mind set on? I have my mind set on that thing that's probably not going to last very long. Right? Set your mind on things that are above. Where Christ is sitting... Oh, now wait a minute. Let's do some logic. 
if I'm setting my mind on things that are above where Christ is seated and I'm in Christ, what? And he's seated. That, that fits with Ephesians 2. You're already seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where I am. At some, right now I'm in time and time passes and sometimes it passes fast and sometimes it passes slow and I ache from mowing grass and I'm waiting for my aches to go away and sometimes they take longer to go away than others. In heaven, there's no more time. There's no waiting. It's just everything is. Set your minds on that. All right, but right now we're here. So what are we doing while we're here? And the rest of Colossians 3 is super practical advice. Put to death. Pretty extreme. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Whatever makes you think about things that are below, let that stuff die. And then there's a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He just now said, Seek, set your mind on things that are above. Seek after those earthly things, or those heavenly things. Everything in this list is associated with earthly stuff. Stuff that, stuff that you can stick in a box and put away. Stuff that's going to rot. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Passion. This one's kind of interesting. Because uh, I was like, what? I mean, I thought we're supposed to have passion and to be, you know, uh, passionate, feeling people. And this gets into the passion that's just um, totally out of control, unreasonable, and just living pure emotion. Just purely emotional. Where, um, you know, not having any reason at all. There's one day at our house, the kids are all out playing in the front yard. And I look out in the front yard and, and you know, um, I, I'm, I have five kids. So I'm in the super awesome habit of counting to five really quick. Because I'm just like, one, two, three, four, five. Yep, they're all out there. And then I go back to my business. And I come back and I look. And I go, one, two, three, four, five. Yep, okay, we're good. And, you know, I'm doing that constantly when we're at the mall, we're at the fall festival, we're at Holiday World. Just one, two, three, four, five. Okay. And then we keep moving. And one day I go out and uh, Cindy's gone to run some errands. And I go out and I go, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And Caleb's missing. I'm like, hey guys, where's Caleb? Uh, nobody knows. I'm like, whoa! This passion thing, I did that. Didn't slow down, didn't try to consider things. Why doesn't anybody know where Caleb is? Caleb! I'm shouting across the park, shouting to the neighbors. There's the neighbors, they're sitting out in the front yard. I'm like, is Caleb over there? They're like, no. I'm like, what? You know, go psycho, call Cindy. Caleb's riding with me to run the errands. Well, I've already, like, blasted David with the bazooka, and I've kicked Isaac out a window, set the house on fire. That's passion. That's what that means. Just to respond purely out of emotion, just out of control. Um, Evil desire is exactly what it means to want bad things 
Like, you know how there's things that you want, and it is pure, and it is good. It's not bad to want. Like, I was making jokes about all the Dove chocolate in the trash can up here, all the Dove chocolate wrappers last week of school. That's how you know it's the last week of school is all the Dove chocolate in Dove chocolate is not evil, okay? It's okay. There's stuff that's okay to want. God made strawberries taste good on purpose. But there are desires that are evil. And we know it. And if we know that's the thing that I desire and that's the evil thing, put that thing to death. Put it to death. Put that desire to death. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, so covetousness is you've got something and I want it. And I want it to the level that I don't care about you. I care about that thing. If I start to care about a thing more than I care about people, that's idolatry. Because the thing isn't made in the image of God, but people are. This would even go so far as to, as to try to exploit somebody for something. I, you know, if I can manipulate this person, if I can coerce this person, if I can guilt this person into getting what I want, that's, that falls into covetousness and idolatry too. Put all that to death. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's the things that, that God's going to judge the world for. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Just being honest. Every one of us has been really skilled at manipulating somebody to get what we want. Right? Put that off. Quit doing that. Now, put them all away. And then he gives you another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put all of those away. Well, what do all of those do? Anger? Anger is when I get mad at the dude that cut me off in traffic because he did something that helps me, keeps me from getting in the way of what I'm seeking. I'm seeking to get to work on time. I'm seeking to get home from work. Remember the whole set your mind on things above. Seek after things where Jesus is. If I start seeking after earthly things, I'm going to get angry at somebody. Wrath. Wrath is just the outplay of anger, right? I've got a chance to act on my anger and do something. That's where I show my wrath. Malice. Malice is where I don't act on it. I just think about it. And I think about it and I daydream. We, we do this at our house a lot. You daydream all the things that you would do. You know, I couldn't find Caleb anywhere. Levi's like, Daddy, if anybody ever took Caleb, I would just run after their car and jump in that window and smash their face. That's malice. Thinking through the evil thing that you would do. And then, of course, slander. And slander is where you're not using your muscles to act out your anger. And you're not using your imagination to act out your anger. You're using your mouth to act out your anger. And slander is where you're, you're cutting down other people. I'm going to get more people on my side because I'm seeking after this. So I'm going to talk it up to get more people on my side to get what I want because I'm seeking after this earthly thing. 
And then obscene talk. All right, so here comes the, my, my favorite part of today. So obscene talk, you all know, gosh, you know, you say something, you're like, I shouldn't cuss, I shouldn't say this obscene thing. That's exactly what it means, to say stuff that's obscene. So I want you to say this. Icecrologia. Come on. Icecrologia. So the next time you're getting a drink of water in the middle of the night and you stub your toe, go, oh, Icecrologia. Because that's the word in Greek for obscene talk. <laughs> and it's more fun to say than any of those other words. And nobody will know what it means and nobody will be offended. <laughs> Ice crowlogia. So there you go. Ice crowlogia. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You're a totally new person. You're a totally new kind of person. The person I used to be, I used to have to like lie to cover up because if people knew what a dirtbag I was, they wouldn't like me. So I'd lie to be like a stud and cool. I would act out things that really weren't who I was. That's what the old self. Don't lie to one another. See, if we're all in Christ, there's two things that happen. One, all your sins have been forgiven. Whatever horrible thing that you did yesterday, forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for it. So you don't have to have shame. You don't have to be embarrassed. Then the other awesome thing is the same goes for me. So I don't have to act like anybody that I'm not. That's, I'm, I, can be, I can be safe to say, I say really mean things to my wife sometimes. Because that cues you in that, gosh, Dan Sullivan is not all that he's cracked up to be. I'm not. I'm, I'm crack, crack pot maybe. But I need your prayers and you need mine. And we can all be honest with each other. So we don't have to lie. We've put off the old self that had to really look good and really be awesome. So one time, I was little, and I would fit into a size medium, 8 to 10 sweatshirt. I'm just going to stop there, (laughs) because I do want Levi to be able to wear this again, or Caleb. Now, would it be ridiculous if we were all done here today, and it starts raining and thundering, and I put this on? You're like, what? But if I did a wedding, I would put this on. And this is made for me. And I look good in this. I put this on. I walked around the house this morning. Caleb looked at me. He said, Daddy, should I wear my nice shoes today? I said, nobody. I'm just making sure it still fits me right. Notice how easy this was to put on. Do you know why this was easy to put on? Because it's my size. It fits who I am. I am whatever size this is. I am this size. I am not this size. This is hard to put on. I would have to go to effort 
and it would be comical. Or, and if I tried long enough, it would kind of be pitiful. You would probably feel sorry for me standing up here trying to put this on, especially when I had to zip it around this thing. It doesn't fit me. So do you think that when God says, put off your old self, put it off, take off your old self, do you think that's hard? Do you think God's telling us to do something that's really difficult? Listen to this. Colossians 3.12, put on, put on then. Put off that old self. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is you. You're holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. As a person in Christ, that fits you. That old self, slander, malice, it doesn't fit. But what fits you is compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. This is what you're sized for. This is what fits you as a Christian. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You also forgive. Above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. It is, it is easier for you to be a Christian. When you are in Christ, it is easier for you to be a Christian than to go back to your old way of life. Doesn't that sound crazy? Doesn't that sound unbelievable? But Dan, I do this sin and I do that sin and I do this struggle. All that's been paid for. Think about why you do it. Like, why would I lie? Because I have to impress people. But if God loves me and I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places and I'm seeking after those things, I don't have to impress people. I'm seated in heaven. Well, but, but, but I want to get ahead and I want to do good at my job and I want to get paid a whole bunch. Again, I'm seeking things below at that. Oh, wait a minute. Set my mind on things above. I don't have to try so hard to get ahead. I don't have to lie, cheat, steal, stab people in the back, all that. And you know what happens? You start to have conversations with bosses where they're like, we're changing up all the jobs, but we have to keep you here just because you're you and we need somebody like you in this building. So what do you want to do for your job? It's a true story. Put off that old self. Put on the new self. Forgive. Bear with one another. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. That's who you are. Just like If I saw you today the way I'm going to see you in heaven, I bet you would not be squeezing into your old sinful self. You would look awesome. You would wear clothes that fit. Righteous, holy, compassionate, sincere. All right, I skipped this one little verse in here. 
Colossians 3.11, Here there is not a Greek and a Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So Paul is writing to the Colossians, and the Colossians have a couple different types of people in their church. Greeks and Jews. Greeks and Jews... They did not get along all the time. You, if you were really Greek and you were really living your Greekness to its fullest, you would never have anything to do with those Jewish people and you'd eat bacon and you would just let them be. And you would serve in the army. If you were a devout Jew, you'd never eat bacon. You'd never eat any pork. You'd never set foot in certain buildings. You wouldn't even use Greek money. You would use your own Jewish money. And you wouldn't even fight in their armies. It's the only group of people that were exempt from the army of the Roman Empire were Jewish people. What? Yes. Paul says, you know what? We're not separating between Jews and Greeks. Christ is all and he is in all. We're not separating by circumcised and uncircumcised. If you grew up Religious, but you didn't grow up religious. If you grew up doing all the things that religious people do, if you didn't grow up, we're not separating over that. Barbarian and Scythian. All right, this one's fun. Barbarians were the savages. They were out of control. They lived on the outskirts, and we were afraid of them. They're kind of the enemy if you're the Roman people. The Scythians are worse. The Scythians make these vows with each other and they stab a knife into their fingers and they both put it into a cup and they drink it. Now we've made a blood covenant with each other. I'll kill your enemies, you kill mine. So barbarian is like, this is like, um, I don't know. They're both savages, right? Biker gangs and uh, roller derby. I, I don't know. They're both on the same level of just savage out of control. You know, we're not separating over that. We're all in Christ. Christ is all and in all. And then slaves and free. There's a huge line between that. Um, huge disparity. They, they treat each other differently. And Paul says we're not separating over that either. Christ is all and in all. Put on Christ. Put off all of this other stuff. All right, skip down to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another. It doesn't mean what's happening right now, where one person's up here and everybody's listening. Teaching and admonishing one another is day to day, sitting at the dinner table. We had a Bible study out in our garden yesterday, and we were talking about Jesus, and it's 90 degrees, and we all got goosebumps because of the, of the grace and the mercy of God. Admonish one another. Teach one another. There's no, there's no hierarchy. We're all in Christ. So anybody can teach anybody else, and anybody can learn from anybody else. Teaching, admonishing one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts towards God. If you're thankful, you immediately can't grumble. It immediately cuts you off. As soon as you catch yourself ready to grumble or ready to complain, 
Be thankful for something and you'll already start to switch that around. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in a whole bunch of Bibles right now, it has a subtitle stuck right in there. And it shouldn't be there because it distracts you. So keep on this. Do everything in the Lord. Everything for Jesus. Everything with Jesus as the center. Set your minds. Talk to each other kindly. And then he gives some just in your relationships. Wives. Here's one example. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. That's a way that we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and we teach each other and we admonish each other. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Do you see how those two things would work together so perfect? Because who wants to submit to a harsh jerk, right? But wait, if he's called to not be harsh and to be loving, then you've got this perfect mode to submit to. So they work together. Children, oh, my kids aren't in here. Children, obey your parents. (laughs) Colossians 3.20. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This all fits in the same thing as let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's all kinds of reasons why it says children obey your parents because parents know all this other stuff that's going on that the kids can't know. Doesn't that reflect towards us and God? God knows all the stuff that we don't know about. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I think that is in there just, 21 is in there just because 20 is in there. Because any time a dad is going to say, the Bible says obey your parents, the kids can say yes. And the next verse is, don't provoke your children lest they be discouraged. It's dads, push your kids, but don't break them. Don't don't discourage them. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service like people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So all of these husbands and wives, parents and kids, specifically dads and kids, workers and employees and owners, business owners, not people owners, I mean, bond servants, I guess. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Flip back even further. Keep your eyes on things above. If I'm working for a guy and I'm only looking at things below, I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to jump ship to please myself all the time, right? How awesome of an employee am I if I am looking after my boss's heavenly residence? Whoa. That's the kind of person I want to hire to work for me. If that's their main concern, whatever you do, that whole section starts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then finally, right at the end of Colossians 3, this is one of those great verse to write, stick it on a postcard somewhere. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
Wrongdoer will be paid back the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. You're serving God. Do you know this whole section started with, because you're Christians, do all this stuff. None of this stuff in here was, do all this stuff if you want to be saved. That is a big deal. None of this stuff I've talked about, any of this was, if you want to get yourself to fit into this, you better, right? It all starts by faith in Jesus, you were made to fit this. What? You were made to fit it. You are in Christ. All that righteousness, all that compassion, all that mercy, all that love, all that forgiveness becomes your natural fit. And you have to work a little bit extra to get that old self. I really, I really was this big once. You have to work hard to go back to that life. You have to go work hard to that. But guess what? Even if you put this on, you are still sized to fit this. If I tried to put that on all day long, it would not change my body size to make me fit my old life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is away for a little bit until I bring it back. No, it's not what it says. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. So, Colossians 3. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you did all this for us. And thank you that you give us a way to respond. That you give us a way to show off for other people how awesome you are. And that you involve us in this ministry now that we're, that we're a part of in you. We praise you and we thank you so much, Lord. Amen.